are featured BBB Wise Giving Alliance accredited charity seal holders for this episode are Fan Cose USA, Every Child, and Church World Service. To find out more about these and other BBB Wise Giving Alliance accredited charity seal holders, go to give.org. You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by BBBgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor, your host. Today we're going to have the second of a two-part episode focused on charity marketing. Last week, we spoke with Angela Walton, who is the founder and president of Breakthrough Marketing Consulting, who talked with us about the various channels that charities can use to market their services. And you'll recall from that interview just how many ways in which donor segments and constituent segments are spread among these various channels and the challenge that charities have choosing among those channels to reach their audiences. Today, we're going to focus more on how organizations segment their various donors and identify personas for their constituencies and really think about how to reach them because all of their constituents may need different types of information in order for the organization's work to resonate with them. So we're going to talk about that today with Therese Kung. Therese is currently the chief strategy officer at Harrison Star, a strategic marketing agency. Therese has more than 20 years of experience in the pharmaceutical biotech sector, developing long range strategic plans, branding and marketing strategies for multinational clients and small startup firms. She has a particular passion for gaining a more robust understanding of underlying customer needs, motivations, behaviors, strategic consumer segmentations, and orchestrating a customer's journey along the marketing funnel, which we consider to be awareness, interest, decision, action, and loyalty. So, Therese, let's jump right in with your thoughts about this part of the marketing work that charities do. And to start you off, I want to ask this first question. 
How can organizations maximize their marketing opportunities in this crazy marketing environment? Very happy to be here with you today. So thank you, Angela, for setting up this so well for me, because what I'm going to do is dive down a little bit deeper into what Angela talked about on her first strategy around strategic marketing planning and uh, the personalization a part of um, the second strategy of segmentation and personalization. And we're going to look at this through the lens of the customer, your supporters, your constituents. So really... The the whole story to this maximizing the marketing dollars in this type of environment is really understanding your constituents and um, your supporters. Organizations have their constituents. How should we think of them when marketing to them? And you have many constituents that you have to pay attention to. There may be more depending on, you know, which sector you're in and who you have to play with. But each of these people and organizations are different. They have different wants and needs, and you have to talk to them differently. Although your mission and what you do is the same, how you speak to these each of these individuals and each of these categories of folks is quite different. So how do we do this? There's a guy named Joe, and he is one of the most creative people in advertising, so say Ad Week in 2015, and he makes a really good point. A good marketing makes the company look smart. Great marketing makes the customer feel smart for choosing your product, your services, you know, your purpose. And this is what we're here to do. So how do we do this and how do we make the customer feel smart? We have to understand who they are, where are they on their journey to become, you know, true supporters of your organization's mission? What story do they need to hear to make them move and act on your behalf? And then fourth, how do we engage them? These questions, Therese, lead me to believe that organizations have much to align in order to get their marketing just right. So I'm going to take each of these questions in turn and give you some uh, frameworks to think about that maybe you can use right away tomorrow to kind of help build your plan. So the first thing, who are they? Something to think about no matter what they do, whether they're in the government, whether they're in the foundations, they're a volunteer or they're an individual donor. Think of them as people first. What they do is secondary to who they are. They're human beings. They play in this world like you and I do. I'm glad you mentioned this. Often we refer to people as donors or program participants, but they're really people and we should refer to them as such. They use all the same tools and techniques as you do and think about them as people first. How do we do that? We have this nifty little way, we call them personas. You create little snippets, a biography, so to speak, a profile of who some of your most important categories of uh, supporters are. Purity being illustrative around maybe the aspiring influencers who want to work with your organizations and do some good that way. You can think of them as there could be a hundred of these folks, or it could be 15% of your donor base, whatever it is. Understand, talk to them, record down, you know, who they are in the description, you know, how they like to communicate, why they may not be willing to engage with your organization, and what about their lives right now that would make them and drive them towards your organization to working with you, either as a big donor, either as a fundraiser or in whatever capacity um, that they want to, and then come up with some communication objectives with them. So once we have objectives, how do we activate them? 
Um, so as you speak with them one-on-one, as you create emails targeting them, as you do whatever your marketing program is, um, you can have a much more targeted and personal way of reaching them. How do you create these personas? Some organizations do some quick and dirty market research. Other folks, they just notate down based on the conversations, observations that you have. But having this all in one place can be a lot of help for not only your marketing group, your development group, your PR folks that may be speaking on your behalf or whoever it is that you're that's working with these folks. So you can create as many of these personas for each one of supporters that you may need. Great. So tell us about understanding where people are as a marketing tool. So there's many different ways of doing it. This is one way of doing this. The next question, where are they on their journey? So another nice little rule that I have is always to respect each of your supporters learning and adoption curve. Everybody is not in the same place in the journey. And what is a journey you may ask? There are many different ways of depicting a journey. This is one way of doing so. People can be unaware and then they become aware of your mission. I say trial here, but other people may say interest. This is when they tiptoe and they're starting to get involved in some of what your organization does. Maybe they make a trial donation or maybe they show up at an event. You're tiptoeing in here. Decision is when they're full on, they've converted, they want to be part of your sphere and uh, they want to get much more actively involved, they're embedded. And then later on, some of those people can become ardent advocates of your organization's mission. So they do much more. Maybe they're huge fundraisers. Maybe they are orchestrating programming on your behalf. Maybe maybe they're just a super volunteer, you know, in your organization. But there are different ways to kind of define this depending on your organization's mission and who the um, category of supporters are. But knowing where they are in this journey helps you talk to them in a much more personal way so that your messaging is relevant to them, right? So when you're trying to profile where these people are, what you want to do is understand what's in their head. What are they thinking about when they're in the unaware stage? What are they feeling? What are they doing usually in these stages? And therefore, given all these things, what do you want to happen to each of these individuals at each of these stages? And how do you then move them through the funnel, so to speak, so that they can get to the next stage? So how do we identify where they are? There are many different ways to identifying where your supporters are in this funnel. Sometimes you can look at how actively involved they are with you. Maybe you can even look at how much they look at your materials. There's a whole bunch of different ways, and it's all different depending on your organization's mission and sector and what you do. But it's good to somehow create this profile as well so that everybody in your organization is on the same page. I mocked one up for you just as an illustration for this aspiring influencers that we just talked about in the personas. So let's say I'm an aspiring influencer, but I know nothing about your particular organization. I am in the unaware stage. I am you know, looking for information, trying to find out more. Maybe I was randomly served up um, an email from your organization and I'm wondering, what is it, right? I'm kind of frustrated and I'm getting unsolicited emails from somebody and I just kind of want to unsubscribe. 
but maybe there's something in your email that kind of piqued me and I want to find more information, right? So then I go to Google, I go to, you know, whatever else I go on um, to kind of figure out what your missions organizations are. Some point I say, hmm, it's so interesting what you guys do. I am now much more aware of what your organizations are, uh, mission is. And so uh, I am in this aware stage, but I don't know enough yet. So I'm still talking to people. I'm still looking at your website. I'm still looking at other materials, but I'm paying attention now to your emails and I'm paying attention to the direct mail that I'm getting from you and I'm opening them up. I'm not throwing them out and I'm learning and I want to do something. So then I'm in a trial stage. So I'm not going to belabor this conversation, but you can see how the individual changes in terms of their knowledge, in terms of their enthusiasm and their belief in what you guys do, in terms of how they act and how they interact with your organization. And therefore, what you need to do in terms of making sure your supporters are going down this journey has to be different. Key is, no matter where they are, You want to move them along the continuum seamlessly and not call them out on it, right? So this is one way to kind of think about this. Okay, on to the next question. So then the third question is, what story do they need to hear? We have to be relevant and engaging in order for them to pay attention to us. Why? I'm no different than any of you. We are feeling bombarded and overwhelmed, inundated. And some of us are tuning out. Imagine you have your work email, you have your personal email. I even have a junk personal email that that I keep a separate account for. There's all these solicited and unsolicited emails. I'm looking at things on videos and then my telephone, I get the spam calls all day long as well. How should I tune in to what's important? How do I even know what's important, right? So this is about relevance and engaging. So when we talked about the funnel just now, we need to map what we want to say, depending on where each of our supporters are along the funnel. Is there basic messaging that won't change regardless of who the constituents or people are? Yes, you have some universal messaging that won't change no matter who you're speaking to, no matter where they are in the journey. And you should identify what those messaging are so that everybody is speaking from the same songbook. But then you may need to identify new messaging, new content that you want to tell certain supporters, depending on where they are in the funnel, something that's relevant to them that would pique their interest and get them to pay attention and do more. All right. So what you say to a funder, large corporate funder, or to an individual, a donor that maybe have donated one time and you want to up their donation or whether it's a volunteer, it's different. And then the last question is, how do we engage them? We have to meet them where they are. People are looking for information in certain places. And when you're doing that persona profile that we spoke about a couple of minutes ago, there is a little area where we say, no takedown, what channels they use, what media they love. Remember that when you engage them. So depending on where they are in the funnel, there are probably certain channels that are better suited for that part of the funnel than other parts of the funnel. So, you know, broad-based advertisements, websites, those are great 
for people who are unaware, who are just needing someone to kind of jolt them, um, some place to kind of go there to kind of look for information. And when you're going down to the bottom of the funnel, the tactics are very different. It has to be much more targeted. It has to be much more meaningful to where they are in, in the process. So I just put this out there, depending on what you want to say and who you want to say it to, you may want to use some of these channels, not necessarily all of them. All right. You have to pick and choose and come up with something that's, that's interesting uh, for, for your particular supporters. So here they are four questions. Great. And thank you. Where should organizations be putting their time, energy, and resources? Let me give you a couple of examples. I hate when people answer, it depends, but it really does depend. <laughs> if you're new, not-for-profit, you just got set up, maybe that you're a year or two years into it, you're probably just trying to get more and more people aware of what you're doing, getting more people involved. So maybe there's a need to concentrate at the top of the funnel and then maybe a little bit in the middle of the funnel to kind of get people involved, right? If you're a not-for-profit that has been around for a while, your mission is clear, people are supporting you, maybe you're, you're concentrating in the middle of the funnel. You don't have to put as much work in the top of the funnel. You're trying to get the people who are donors who are volunteers who are activists you know on your behalf to actually do more and do it in a bigger way or a more impactful way and maybe what you're trying to do is get more influencers as well more advocates right so i think it all it all depends on where you are in your life cycle it could depend on the initiative that you're launching right a new initiative you want to get more people involved um, an initiative that has been running for a while and is taking a different you know turn you may want to concentrate in a different part of the funnel. So it all depends. And I think as an organization, when you create your annual plan, you have to understand where you want to put your dollars. And it's okay to put your dollars in multiple places, mm -hmm. right? But you can't be all thing to all people. Think about it. You have $100. You only have $100 to spend. If you spread it out over those five stages, that's 20, 20, 20, 20, 20. Well, you're kind of like spreading yourself thin, right? If you put it in three stages, all of a sudden you can do so much more with your marketing dollars, right? It's the same as us as consumers, right? I, this is not true, but I'm renting a new house. I need furniture. Do I furnish the kitchen, the bedroom, and, you know, everything at once? Or do I buy, do I, you know, I love to cook. So I'm going to like concentrate all my money in the kitchen first. You know, that that's another um, example to kind of help you think about this. What should you do when people fit several categories? Most people are probably in uh, adjacent spaces. They're probably not at the beginning, at the end. They're probably, you know, kind of clustered, kind of aware and trial maybe around that area or maybe trial and decision or decision advocacy. Usually we see that clustered together a little bit more. You have to talk to them kind of in different ways, but talk to them in the place where you think you can make the most impact for them. So if they're in trial and decision, maybe concentrate on the decision part of it to kind of cement them in that area. So, Therese, I guess the challenge for organizations is to maximize where they put their limited resources into the marketing effort and then to try to measure the effect of that. Let me give you an example. So let's assume we're trying to generate more awareness. Nobody knows us. So we want to generate some awareness of who we are organizationally. We can spend some money taking out ads in various social media channels to try to help to try to help people understand that we exist. The question is, 
what should we expect from that work? What should we expect to get from that? I guess the social media channel will tell us because they have some metrics that we can use. And from that, maybe we can actually understand what we achieved in the end. People can understand what we want them to know about us. But I guess it's really difficult to assess the performance of our marketing efforts, right? And it's a long-term process. I think that's icing on the cake, the whole viralness of, of um, tactics like the ice bucket challenge. That's that's great. Uh, but what happens after that, right? If you're a serial viralist, it becomes a little bit gimmicky. And I think great brands do the foundational work and they put the hard work in to build that up and see it through. I think go back to basics and make sure you have a community, uh, make sure you have great content and make sure you're generating great results from the work that you do. You know, you can't have a great brand without those types of things. At the end of the day, brand is an experience, brand is a state of mind. And those things come from interaction, from engagement, from hearing things, knowing things. Um, And it's back to basics um, type marketing. Um, So if you're asking about what that means, don't underestimate the power of a great survey. It doesn't cost you that much to launch one or to create one, and you can get so much information back. It's also another way of engaging folks. If you write a good survey, people love to talk, people love to uh, tell you what they think, and there's power in engaging people that way as well. And then if you get great survey results, you can use it in your marketing as well right? X percentage of people said, blah, X percentage of people want to feel this way. And guess what? That's user-generated content in a completely different way. (laughs) Well, Therese, I want to thank you so much for giving us this insight into how we think about segmenting our various markets, right? We, We have to understand the people we're trying to reach in order to market to them. And you've given us a primer on how organizations should think about that. And I'll also say this, if you are a charity constituent, that is a persona, as Therese mentioned, try to understand and make it easy for charities to work with you. Tell them what you need and how you can be reached so they can do their job more efficiently and effectively and give you the opportunities you want to serve and help our society in the way that these organizations are established to do so. Now, to all of you who are listening to this podcast for the first time, I want to suggest to you that you subscribe to the show because that's how we build audience. We don't spend a lot of money on marketing ourselves. And so we need word of mouth. We need you to subscribe to the show because the algorithms will pick up that you've subscribed and will share this show with more people who can also subscribe. And you can see us on all major podcast platforms. And I hope you'll be back here next week for a new show. If you want to support the podcast, you can do so by going to give.org. Thank you for listening. You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. 
The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.